0: Alright, good Wednesday morning to you. This is Mike Pasco with the Dissecting Philately podcast. And I've got a little bit, again, of a crossover episode. I wanted to just compare and contrast two very cool events that happen throughout the year in both the wor- worlds of anatomy and in the worlds of philately. And those are um, on the anatomy side scientific conferences and on the philately side stamp shows. So in this first segment let's talk about the uh, the scene of scientific uh, professional conferences and we'll go on from there. So basically what's got me thinking about uh, annual scientific conferences is a deadline coming up. Uh, In November we've got a deadline facing uh, those of us that are anatomy educators that would like to participate in uh, one of the best meetings for anatomy educators, um, anatomists in general, it's the uh, the AAA um, Anatomy Association. Their annual conference takes place in April of 2020. Uh, it's a great way to network with anatomists that are teaching um, in your content area. So I, I'm able to network with anatomists that teach PT, um, anatomy to PT students, but then I also get um, exposure to people teaching in uh, different kind of curricula design and that really helps to uh, give me ideas uh, down the road when when I ultimately am faced with my own curriculum redevelopment. So the the main layout and the main format of a conference, as I mentioned, there'll be there'll be several um, people that are going to submit summaries of their research, known as an abstract, to a committee, and the committee will receive some unnamed number of these abstracts and then uh, some unnamed percentage will be accepted based on their quality their scientific merit their their representation of advancement in the field of anatomy education so um fortunately i've i've had good success in submitting abstracts and having them submitted or excuse me accepted so i will try to get my abstract in um, by the deadline so the the uh, main option for a submitted abstract is to have your work then presented at the conference in the form of a poster so this is one type of event that happens at a a scientific uh, professional meeting we'll all have uh, several posters uh some some of us uh, by that i mean some of us individually will have several posters but on the whole there there will be hundreds of posters available and so this represents a way to communicate ideas and What I like to do um, when I'm not presenting my own work is to definitely stroll down the aisle, check out what um, people are presenting, what other work is going on. That could be me looking for anatomy programs, uh, institutions that I already know, uh, researchers I already know, uh, but also branching out and looking for things that I'm not at all familiar with. It's a great learning opportunity. These posters really represent the forefront of scientific investigation, so there's always something new to learn. Uh, and that could be anything from here's a unique variation of a muscle that's been found in, in an anatomy lab to uh, results from a nationwide survey. There, there's just so many different ways anatomy education can go, and there's so many things to learn. So I'll usually um, stroll around the poster session with my notebook in hand so i can take some ideas down and presenters are very innovative uh these days a lot of times they're putting qr codes or urls on their poster so that way you don't have to stand there and try to capture everything with uh with a photo you can download the pdf of the poster to view later so that's a real neat crossover to, to go from the print world to the digital world we'll see how that carries over into the the philately um, arena in the next segment Another thing that's going on at scientific conferences, in case you haven't been to one, there are a lot of oral presentations. Those will range from uh, single presenters in what's usually known as a a keynote or a plenary session, and those can be 30 to 60 minutes long, and and those could be um, senior scientists that are really advanced in their career, um, and oftentimes they're reflecting on decades of work in their area. Uh, That's pretty common. That's not always who's presenting, but that seems to be um, a bit of the trend. And then you have uh, oral presentations that are more of a panelist, uh, panel format. So you have three to seven presenters that will each have 12 or 15 minutes to present their work. And usually these presentations are organized around a theme. And then at the very end of that panel, a moderator will open the floor for questions and and any one of the panelists can be asked or sometimes somebody in the audience will have a pretty broad question that they'd like to hear each one of the panelists chime in on so that's one thing that you can do to uh to kind of uh, vary your time between posters uh, go to some presentations and then you can also spend some time at the exhibitor hall so within the um, exhibition hall you're going to have several vendors that are either trying to um, sell you their products. Uh, when I go to a physical therapy conference, there are usually a lot of therapeutic modalities. Here's a new something that will help your patients um, in their therapy. So there's a lot of that um, in exhibit halls. and with the anatomy conference, you know there, there's often a lot of educational vendors there that want you to, to learn and to be aware of their app, their website, their textbook, um, their models. There's uh, plastinated specimens. It's, it's really neat. There's a lot of really cool uh, modalities out there for teaching. So you get to look at them. In many cases, there's a demo available. You get to try them, put on a VR headset, uh, rotate uh, a dissection lab, uh, dissection table, kind of move it around, see how it operates. So it's a real good way to, to get a sense of what the, the cutting edge is on the commercial side of your profession as well. And there's also going to be several other organizations that are represented at exhibition halls these could be universities that are uh, just trying to get their brand awareness out there maybe they have a new anatomy program a new physical therapy program or maybe they are looking to hire faculty or recruit graduate students so that that can be part of a professional conference as well and then you also have um, advocacy um, initiatives so maybe raising Funds for physical therapy research uh, maybe there's some other nationwide um, issue in your field and there's usually a, a booth set up to kind of just again educate the, the membership and educate the attendees so that's uh, another thing you can do and of course when you are at the conference you can step outside you can explore the city uh, near the venue where the conference is being held so in April 2020 the PT or excuse me the anatomy conference will be in San Diego California and I'm pretty excited about the physical therapy conference in 2020 that's going to be held in Denver which is about 10 miles uh, to the west of where my campus is so that'll be really neat to kind of play host uh, maybe give some people some insight on what to do what to explore in the day or two that they may have outside of conference attendance. So yeah, they're usually pretty big events. Some uh, scientific conferences have tens of thousands of attendees. Typically, um, that's more on the physical therapy side of what I do. The anatomy side of things is usually in the thousands. I wouldn't say tens of thousands, but there's usually several thousand anatomists there. And these uh, events also represent a great opportunity while everybody's coming in from across the country to hold uh, various meetings. So there'll be meetings of leadership of the associations that are managing the conference, as well as uh, subcommittees that are formed uh, to address needs of of the members of the committee. So that's really what um, is is on my mind from a scientific conference point of view. Uh, The anatomy conference uh, deadline's coming up. The PT conference is coming up in January. These conferences represent excellent opportunities for networking. And that really then does prompt me to think about, you know, another uh, little episode about how to use social media to um, increase your uh, visibility and to find people to collaborate with and network with. I've had tons of um, professional success through social media. And, you know, I've have made some mistakes, but also learned a lot about how to To manage myself professionally on Twitter for example and these conferences are great not only if you are there but if you're not there usually every conference will have a hashtag associated with it so that way those that are there can kind of report and broadcast what's going on as it's happening and then those that can't make it that time they're able to participate remotely from wherever they are in the world near real time it's pretty exciting it's pretty cool stuff So I think that just about covers everything that is kind of on my highlight list of things to do at a scientific conference. And uh, what I'd like to do in the next segment is transition to what a stamp show looks like and then draw some parallels uh, between that and uh, academic conferences. Okay, so there are going to be some of those listeners out there that have and have not gone to a stamp show, and I'm relatively new to these, so I can offer my uh, beginner's perspective on what I've observed from attending a stamp show, and then let's draw some parallels with scientific conferences. So a, a stamp show is usually a also a meeting of stamp collectors, stamp exhibitors, stamp dealers. And uh, leadership of a stamp association. So the the one that I'm most familiar with in, in attending is the one where I live in Colorado. Uh, unfortunately for Colorado collectors, there's only one stamp show annually, and that is in, around Mother's Day, around the the weekend just um, after Mother's Day in May, and that is called the Rocky Mountain um, Stamp Show. So the Rocky Mountain Stamp Show is held just um, east of Denver, not too far from where I work in Aurora. And essentially, it happens over three days, really like two and a half days. Friday is a bit of a half day. Um, and then all day Saturday and Sunday. And that really does parallel what you see with academic conferences. I, I did not mention before, but they typically happen over several days. Now, um, stamp shows, they don't tend to rotate. There, There's usually a Stationary annual stamp show within every kind of geographic region uh, year after year. But there are national level, American Philatelic Society level conferences that do move around. So I think the big um, annual Philatelic Society um, stamp show was in Omaha, Nebraska um, in the first weekend of August. So I haven't really been able to make it to any of these other um, stamp shows. I just keep it local and that, that kind of helps because as you might have gotten from my discussion of scientific conferences, they can be pretty overwhelming. There, There's a concept called conference fatigue where you're just walking like usually my step count like triples because I'm walking around the venue, um, walking around the city so much and then you know there's just so much to do so it's i really shouldn't be complaining too much that i only have one stamp show to attend a year because they're, they're pretty big just like conferences and there are a lot to to manage and to handle so uh that's kind of the the lay of the land where, where i am and i've been going to the rocky mountain stamp show this past may of 2019 was my third time going so yeah it's it's amazing it, it is for me um personally um, what anatomy conferences are professionally so I get to meet up with um, old friends there's a community that forms uh, within the stamp community um, within the the stamp show attendees the dealers and uh, you just get to see people year after year um, and check in with them and and they usually remember you it's a real close-knit group it's been really fun So the lay of the land and some of the things you can do, um, over the, the days of a stamp shoe, uh, excuse me, stamp show do kind of parallel what I was talking about with the scientific conference. So let's talk about submission of a summary of your work. So you can do philatelic research as well. You can become an expert in an area of postal history and you can put together a, um, a summary, um, a literature review, if you will, and and make original contributions to the the knowledge base of philately um, based on your philatelic interest. And you can submit those to be presented at the stamp show. Now, they they do uh, look a little different. They they are essentially poster presentations. These are called um, ex- um, exhibitor. Um, displays, So they're really neat. They're glass cases with metal frames. They, they stand up like an easel board. And what you basically are doing when you're doing it as best as I can surmise from what I've observed, you're putting your philatelic material out there uh, for people to review. And I did not mention this with scientific conferences, but usually there is a committee uh, that of the organizing group that goes around and looks at all of the posters and judges them and awards the the top posters. Same thing in philately. That's one of the major incentives of putting together an exhibition and putting it out um, in the exhibition uh, competition is to see how it rates. And people will do this over decades, and what's really neat about philately is you can, you know, put together your exhibition and you can improve it from show to show. And from what I can tell, there, there are no limits on how many times you can show this thing in a year. If you want to ship it around the country and present it at all these different shows, you definitely can. And you can just keep improving and improving your exhibit um, in an effort to, to win a prize. So that's one parallel uh, that I've noticed with stamp shows, with scientific meetings. You get to see um, how people are contributing to the knowledge base um, of the subject, and you can uh, really see some awesome things. So you can see some very rare material in these frames uh, when you go to stamp shows. So that's really cool. It does take a lot of time. It takes a lot of focus uh, to, to go through these um, narratives and to read all of the context. Uh, But it's it's very uh, insightful and as I mentioned before, uh, things are becoming more contemporary in philately and people are bridging the analog and digital worlds. So I am noticing more and more um, philatelic exhibitions are incorporating QR codes where you can scan with your phone and that will take you to a link of um, a video that the person's put together because again they're trying to tell a story just like you would at a conference with your research. You're trying to tell a story um, of a stamp or of a, a geographic region or of a time uh, in postal history. So that's pretty neat. Um, moving on to presentations. I am aware at stamp shows that there are presentations um, as well as workshops just like you have at scientific conferences I have not yet gone to presentations at a stamp show yet I think I just have had such a little time uh, usually I'm able to make it to one day of a three-day stamp show and I usually prioritize by time looking at other things um, and not making it to the presentations but they are out there and from what I see and read and in summaries and on social media they're usually really good Um, high-level speakers and it's a great way to learn and and further your knowledge base um, in your hobby and then moving on to the what's the the parallel of the um the exhibitors and the vendors over in the stamp world and that's going to be the dealer tables so just like at a scientific conference you can pay a fee to have a booth in a um in an area of the stamp show and these this is predominantly um, stamp dealers it's really um, interesting to me to see how these dealers not only offer you know tons of material tons of stamps tons of albums supplies uh, you name it you can find it in the dealer area but they're able to pack this all up and move it across the country looks like some loaded into trailers and are driving it around but i'm sure some others are finding other you know ways the uh, ups fedex to, to ship this over the air um, it looks really interesting and it's just amazing that you know these stamps are so delicate i would just be so nervous at packing up all of this um, inventory and moving it around the country so it's, it's really cool, um, and so what you're gonna wanna do is you're gonna wanna have a game plan. At a scientific conference, you can look at who the vendors are gonna be, and you can make a little list, like I wanna go see these vendors before I get overwhelmed. Uh, same thing with the stamp show world. You wanna have what collectors call a want list, uh, whether that's um, supplies like uh, tongs, stamp tongs, or, or pages, or hinges, but you definitely need a want list for individual stamps that you're gonna add to your collection. Uh, there's no way you're going to remember this. And I don't know. It seems like back in the in the old days, people would bring their stamp albums to stamp shows uh, when that was more of an analog world. But there's a lot of risk that comes with that, especially if you've got a very valuable collection. I wouldn't want to be walking around, um, you know, a parking lot with that kind of thing. So I would basically... Um, advocate having a list that you can put on a tablet a laptop a lot of people have it on their smartphone I have it on my smartphone and that way you know what you have and you know what you need and then you also know kind of what you're willing to spend you need to know what your budget is and you can often get some pretty good deals if if you talk to the dealers so just make sure you know um, what you need going into the stamp show and and that's been good experience for me so yeah, you can bounce around all the dealer tables and, and check things out, and each one is going to specialize in different areas of the world or different time frames. And then you'll be uh, you'll be in pretty good shape. Now, just like scientific conferences have like advocacy and um, other organizations present, same thing at stamp shows. So you're going to have services at a stamp show like "What's in your attic?" This is amazing. This is so helpful. So many people are on social media on the stamp collecting forums. And they're, they're just clueless. They, they haven't found something at an estate sale. They've inherited something from a relative. And they have no idea because to, you know, the average person, something that's 50 to 75 to 100 years old, that's that's really old. But in the world of stamp collecting, that is actually not that old. And some of these, even if they're 150-year-old stamps, there's millions of them out there. So, you know, you really need to, to interact with somebody with some knowledge on stamp collecting and that's what they have at the stamp show. They have a booth with several individuals kind of posted up there uh, and they will look at your um, collection and the the purpose from what I can tell is not really to give you like a dollar value of appraisal but they'll just kind of let you know what your next step should be. Should you kind of calm the flames down and, and not get so excited about these 24 karat uh, coated stamp replicas that are really not even worth their their (laughs) very small weight in gold Um, or whether you should then go to the next level and get a more serious appraisal maybe go talk to a dealer uh, who can offer you a fair price so that's really neat Uh, there's also a, a an organization in colorado that's a rocky mountain philatelic library and this is an organization that really just supports the uh, the knowledge acquisition of stamp collectors. So, as a library, they're obviously going to have thousands of books. Um, and you know, there just like in science, you know, there there's a book about some receptor uh, in a cell membrane. There's there's you know that's 100 pages long. There's going to be a book about one stamp or one. Um, decade of postal history of one country that's that's 100 pages long as well and if you happen to specialize in that area you know it's going to be a very valuable resource you, it might be out of print go to the philatelic library um, and you'll be able to study that title i believe you can even take some uh, items out on loan but you'll you'll want to you're going to want to look into that So the Philatelic Library has a booth set up, and what they do every year is they do um, a silent auction. They will bring some material that they have acquired throughout the years, um, put these in binders, and then they'll have the bidding sheet. And you can examine the stamp, and then you can uh, put down your bid. And then at the end of the show, highest bidder wins. And then there's also one of my favorite tables um, as i've mentioned a few times i'm really exposing my family my wife and my daughters to to my um, stamp collecting passion and my six-year-old and four year old girls are just so fun to do this with the six-year-old um, being a little bit older a little bit more academic now in kindergarten uh, she really loves stamp collecting and looking at stamps and asking questions about them so what i've really um, also loved about the philatelic library is they have a booth that's for young collectors. These people are amazing. They volunteer their time, and they go above and beyond to provide young collectors with anything they need to get started. They're all about, essentially, a, a zero barrier. Don't have stamps? Here's a bag of stamps. Don't have an album to put them in? Here's an album, like a $30, $40 album that they just handed my daughter. It was amazing. And so now what we've been able to do is go home and start filling that in. So that, that's an example of kind of a, an awareness and outreach presence that happens at a, a philatelic um, show. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it, I think. That pretty much summarizes my stamp show experience. Um, the, the post office is also present at the stamp show, so that way you can buy the new stamps that have just come out if you happen to collect that stuff. And there's really a lot of parallels between... Um, yeah, the scientific uh, community and the philately uh, community. And if you're um, yeah, interested in attending a stamp show, I highly recommend if you're in Colorado going to the Rocky Mountain stamp show, you'll be able to find that on Google. It's, it happens like I think it's the the weekend uh, following Mother's Day weekend. And yeah, it's it's a real great gig. And I really have enjoyed uh, going to it every time, uh, even though I've got a very, very small budget like $20 a show I'm still able to walk away with some really cool stuff and uh, it's also about spending some quality time with my family so I think that's going to do it for this uh, update this check-in on on the old anchor podcast if you want to reach out to me go ahead and if you flip over to anchor FM you can leave me a voice message you can find you can find me on the internet i uh, can find my email address there contact me that way uh, and you can also look on twitter the the show here has its own twitter account um dissect um, philately and that's d-i-s-s-e-c philately um, and that's where you're going to be able to see some photos that i'll be posting uh maybe i've got some photos of me at a conference um, an anatomy conference, but then I've also got photos of my daughter and I at the the Rocky Mountain Stamp Show um, this past May. Have a good rest of your Wednesday.